Well, hello, everyone. Uh, Paul Akers, welcome back to the American Innovator. You know, we have a, a fantastic show today, probably one of my favorites I'll ever do. We have David Allen with us, who wrote the book, Getting Things Done. And David is an exceptional human being because he tapped into one of the most important things that all of us need to know how to do, and that is how do we become hyper-productive and calm at the same time? And so we're gonna talk to David, and we're gonna talk about how he created this fabulous system that I implemented about four or five months ago and has literally changed my life and my ability to be more productive and more calm, which is really the most important part of this whole conversation as you'll find out a little bit later. So David, welcome to the show. Hey Paul, delighted to be here. Thanks for the invitation. And you're coming to us from? Amsterdam, where yeah. I live now. And why yeah. do you live in Amsterdam, David? I want people to know why, because I love this part. My wife and I wanted to live in Europe. We don't have kids, and my company was becoming more virtual. And now that we've started to distribute our trainings and our coaching around the world and licensed partner to do that for us, Amsterdam is much more the center of my world than Santa Barbara was. Right. Love Santa Barbara, love the U.S., but we love the Netherlands, and we love Amsterdam, and uh, it's, a, it's a fabulous place to be. And you like art too, isn't art a big part of your world? It is, I love art, I love, I've started to do acrylic painting myself and we love things artistic and cultural and boy, Amsterdam is like, you know, you could squeeze the art, music, pop culture, technology into a small little space and Amsterdam is really a, a key thing. I call it the San Francisco of Europe. Yeah. So if you like San Francisco about that, it's the same size by the way, 800,000, 2 million red, oh, you know, yeah, well, its psychic footprint is much bigger than its physical footprint, but it so it's and it's got an incredible history, an incredible culture, and one that one that I love. I was an American cultural history major in graduate school, so I love wow. the American psyche and the DNA and and so forth. And then to find out that a whole lot of that, a huge big portion of that, started a few blocks from where I live right now, here in Amsterdam. Oh, and they got okay. exported. Well, you know Manhattan, the history of Manhattan. It was New Amsterdam. It's all Dutch. And, it's Dutch, yeah. The, the Dutch settled yeah. New York. Yeah. And a whole lot of the, the you know, all the, even from the the philosophers, the the politicians, that and so forth, that, you know, it came from Erasmus and then John Locke and then whatever. Right. And then all that got exported to the founding fathers in the U.S. They basically studied you know, a lot of what got developed. Because Amsterdam did not, it was really the seat of the Enlightenment, because this was the first place that the individual took precedence over church and monarchy. Because church and monarchy got their power out of land, there was no land yeah. here. The Dutch have a great saying that said, God created the world and then the Dutch created Holland. Because wow. there was no land. Yeah, so there was no feudal society here. They built their own land and they did it cooperatively. So that stayed in the DNA, you know, 600 years later. So it's still there. So and they, cooperation they, they for became, personal economic gain. And they became fabulous at organizing themselves, which is what they're famous for, which is really the essence of your book and what you're all about as well and what yeah. I'm about. So how yeah, interesting. Things, that is fascinating. Yeah, things, things work here. Yeah, you know, I didn't think about uh, even exploring the historical background in this conversation. I'm a history person, too. I love it. And I think what you just said about the founding fathers, I know Jefferson was influenced by all the philosophers, Locke, and so was Madison, Adams, and, and Franklin particularly. Uh, really great, great background. I appreciate that. That's really cool. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, so the, the U.S. then tried to export, you know, communal cooperation for personal economic gain. They tried to export that as universal truth and then have run up against the world that said, eh, you know, we don't get it. The yeah. Dutch created it. It was a quite unique, very unique DNA mm -hmm. that then got exported and then expanded hugely in the, in the U.S., you know, uh, psyche and consciousness and, and culture. Uh, but, but it's quite unique. So wow. trying to assume that the world would buy into that was a big mistake. I feel like I've learned so much just in the first five minutes of this whole conversation. That's fantastic. So I have a little bit of an agenda now where I want to go with this interview. And David, I haven't even shared this with you, but I want our listeners to know exactly where I'm going to go so they can track along with us. So first of all, I'd like you to give a, a brief overview, number one, of what getting things done is. So our listeners know this is something I'm doing and I practice and I love. The second thing I wanna do is discuss mind like water. What does that really mean? I think that's a powerful concept. And the third thing is, David, we talked about this when you and I were talking on another interview, this idea that getting things done seems to be very attractive to the most productive people, the people that least need it, are the people that do it the most. So our listeners know we're gonna talk about what getting things done is, mind like water, and why do the most productive people, why are they magnetized to what you're talking about? Which I think is a fascinating idea in and of itself, and then we'll kind of wrap it up from there. So David, what is getting things done? Well, it's a set of best practices that I discovered, uncovered, recognized over the last 35 years but what we do when things really work, we all had better days than others. What's the difference? It's not the world. The world doesn't have better days than others. The world is fine, by the way. Look outside. It's fine. It's not overwhelmed. It's not confused. It's fine. It's only how we are engaged with our world that makes a difference about whether we feel like it's a good day or a bad day. So uh, I just started to uncover what are the things that allow us to get to the good day events no matter what the day is doing and you know and i came you, into some two angles did you say that in your book because i don't remember those words in your book i don't know yeah, i never I, remember anything i said that, this, that, i got nothing on my I, mind I, Paul, you know? I know but that is a powerful concept everybody wants to have those good days and really yeah. getting things done is how did we produce those good days and let's find out those best practices so we can always have those good days sure. i love it I've never heard that. I came this, That's fantastic. Well, I, came, I came at this from two angles. One angle was that I, I didn't intend to be in the corporate training productivity game at all. When I was an wow. American cultural history major in Berkeley in 68, wow. graduate school. You know, if you'd have told me I was going to be in the corporate training, executive coaching, you know, writing a book about productivity, I'd go, what are you smoking? You know, come on, <laughs> give me a break. And that would have been appropriate uh, being at Berkeley, at Berkeley too. <laughs> I say, I remember being in Berkeley in 68, you weren't there. You know? yeah, so, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, so anyway, so, um, but, so I came at this from one angle. I, I decided instead of studying people who were enlightened, I wanted my own. So I hopped out of academia because I thought, you know, I, that didn't seem to be the source of it for myself. I was more experienced personally, just, you know, intellectual, cognitive work. And so, you know, I got a black belt in karate. I studied all kinds of meditation and, and, and spiritual practices. And I sort of was after the God, truth, and the universe and where the source of truth was. Because I figured 
and actually most of my life in retrospect, I've always been fascinated. I'm the laziest guy you ever met. So I said, I think there's something much bigger than what we can see that's running what we see. However you interpret that. Right, sure. Something, something bigger than us, whether that's the bigger us, you know, that's the higher self right. voice, the, the right. still small voice, or whoever's funding that voice, you know, God, truth, the universe, or, you know, whatever. But I figured if I could get a hold of that, if that's running all this, that'd be the easiest way to manage it. So, you know, you're a lean guy. So, well, the ultimate lean is to figure out what's running the universe, what's its process, and then make sure there's no waste there. So in my world, David, that's called going to the source. You just you <laughs> leapfrogged everything and went right up to the source, to the headwaters, if you will, to find yeah. out really what's it all about. Instead of messing around down here where most of us mess around down in the weeds all the yeah. time, you're like, where's this all coming from? So that's uh, right, But they don't, they don't pay people to do that, Paul. Yeah. So, Rice bowl and cave was not my style. I love good wine and good looking women. And I said, well, how can I sort of be in this material world, but not be of it? Right. How can I stay in it? And then at the same time, you know, I didn't know what I wanted to do. When I grew up, but I had, I had a number of friends who were starting their own businesses and doing their own thing. I became a really good number two guy. Right. So, you know, if I'd met you, I'd say, okay, hey, Paul, let me just come in let me help you. Yeah. And what I would do is just look around and say, how much easier could we make whatever it is you're doing? Cause I've been the make it easy guy since I was born. I, I like that. Up. I like the idea of you became a really good number two guy. I think that's fascinating too, but keep going. Yeah. yeah. So, well now they call that process improvement. Yeah. But basically I just, I just look around and go, how much easier can we do this? And I'd fix it. And then I get bored. <laughs> mm -hmm. So then I'd go find another gig. Then right. I discovered they pay people to do that. They call them something consultant. Yeah. Yeah. Now I are one, right? So hung out my shingle, 1981, Allen Associates. And I said, okay, well, let me go see if I could just sell myself in my present, if I can just show up with somebody, if I can assist them, because I'd done a whole, enough of those to say, yeah, I might be able to actually figure that out. But then I got very hungry for what models I could use in case it wasn't clear how to help somebody. Nice if I had some, some tested models I could pull out of my back pocket and say, okay, oh, okay. walk you through this thought process and see if that improves things. And at the time I had a network of people that, within which there were some pretty sophisticated, very senior consultants from big consulting firms and so forth. So I, you know, I, I, and then I met some people that became good mentors of me that taught some stuff. So I was looking for, first of all, how to keep the clear space space. See, I discovered right. with all the meditative and, and martial arts practices that your most productive state is when there's nothing on your mind, except what you want on your mind. So I'm skipping to number two, but right. the, 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 the Mind whole like idea, right? Yeah, you know, when four people attack you in a dark alley you didn't expect, you don't want two thousand unprocessed emails somehow hanging in your psyche. You can't afford it, right? Perfect. So there were very, there were very, there were very real techniques. You know, as I was getting a black belt in terms of how do you clear your head, because you're about to move into surprise right now. You need to be situationally aware for mm -hmm. anything you cannot expect. So you cannot have any distraction. You need to have as clear a head as possible. As a matter of fact, if you get kicked somewhere, you don't want to get kicked and you want to get rid of the pain, you better focus on your breathing. Now they call that mindfulness. Well, I learned this in, <laughs> you know, back when you got kicked somewhere. You know, right. How do you get present? So the, I, the whole sort of combination of the, how do I stay present? At the same time, my professional world was getting more complex and that was pretty easy to screw up in clear space. So you got a lot more responsibility, accountabilities, and you know things going on. Was that simple of life? As my life got more professional and, and sort of up level, 
So I was interested in both of those. How do I get a model that helps people and how do I keep my head clear? And those started to cobble together these various pieces of this methodology. And then I realized what, I, what worked for me to help me stay clear, more focused, more in control, give me more space to think about the meaningful stuff. I turned around and started to use those techniques with my clients. Exactly the same result. No exception. Right. Anybody started to do these practices that I was uncovering, felt more control, more focus, more space to focus on meaningful things, less stress. Oh, wow, that's cool. So that became, you know, part of, you know, kind of a core package that I was using in my consulting. We didn't call it coaching back then, but that's right. really what it was. Uh, and then a senior guy, head of human resources for Lockheed, saw what I was doing. He said, wow, we need this in our whole company. Could you design some sort of training program around, you know, what you've uncovered here so we can reach a lot of people, you know, through a training process as opposed to just one-on-one -on -one coaching or consulting? I said, okay. So I worked with his team for a couple of months, designed a two-day personal productivity seminar. We did a pilot program for 1,000 executives and managers at Lockheed in 1983 and 84 with my stuff, and it worked. It hit a nerve. It's like, wow. So I suddenly found myself thrust into the corporate training world, but it also forced me to hone what I had uncovered into yeah. a definable system that you, that you could understand as a system and, mm -hmm. and actually apply it. You know, this is, in, the, in this is the essence of writing a book, and this is why writing a book is so powerful. It takes your thinking and condenses it down to a, a, a clear resonance of thought so that right. you understand and it, it, and then hopefully other people will understand it. And if you really want stressful productivity, go try to write a book. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it forces, it forces you to, to, to hone the thinking and distill yeah. the thinking. You know, which, you know, it's, it's the simplicity on the other side of complexity. Mm -hmm. You know, Paul, you're, you're an elegant, practical, simple guy, but there's a lot of law behind that. You don't, you don't get that for free. You know, it comes out on the other side. Lots right? of work, lots of hard work, yeah. lots sure. of focus. So, so that was the, that's getting things done was just, that was just the name we decided to put on the book I wrote. But it took 20 years to figure out what I'd figured out. Mm -hmm. I didn't realize that what I'd figured out was unique and nobody else seemed to have done it. And it took me that long with just a lot of successes just out there. I, I'm kind of like you. I never had a marketing department. I never had a sales department. I just, I just picked up the phone. People heard about it. Yeah. And they said, wow, I want it. You know, whatever it is you did. And I go, okay. So uh, just had a little kind of boutique consulting practice. David, if I can uh, interrupt you, it's really interesting because you said that it took you 20 years and that's the wisdom of 20 years. And I know that when we ended our other interview, I said, you know, you asked me what advice I'd give to people. And I said, there's a lot of wisdom out there. The question is whether or not you have the wisdom to listen. And so getting mm -hmm. things done is 20 years when it came to fruition is 20 years of intense wisdom and laboratory uh, working and proving the system that you are now handing to the world that they can deploy. And this level of wisdom and experience is so impactful if we are willing to listen to it. I know I listened to what you had to say and it changed me. So I appreciate those. Well, words. I'll add to the PR that the revised edition of Getting Things Done, which came out in 2015, mm -hmm. you know, that's really 35 years of experience that went into that. 
that, you know, that, and thousands of hours, you know, Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours. I spent multiple I t- versions of that one-on-one with some of the best and brightest people on the planet sitting that, next that, to them. That's what I was, that's what I was thinking when you said, I said the 10,000 hours, I thought exactly that thought. Yeah. And I said, no, it's really 20,000, 30,000 hours in the, in the, at community. least. Yeah. Oh, so this is, and this was tested in some of the hottest fires that you could try to test and it went viral in there where if you couldn't stand toe-to-toe with the best and brightest and these people on the planet with what you were teaching, you know, they'd spit you out in two seconds. And this went viral in those environments. Isn't, isn't that so that's when I had the confidence, because I'm not a ta-da kind of guy. Right. You know, I, I had better, I, I was putting my whole life work into this manual. And, you know, I had to have the self-confidence that this really was really, really, really right. And the best way that I could possibly say it. And I stuck it all in there. A lot of people get overwhelmed when they see getting things done and read it as a book simply because it's all in there. It's right. the whole thing. It's and actually pretty simple. And I have, but, to inter- but, I have to interrupt you again because you said something else. I'm not a ta-da kind of guy. So this is not like, oh, this is like some deep, really thoughtful system that you put into it. And as you said, the people you're working with are, are intellects. They're, they're, they're the people that are at the top of their craft in the industry. And they would have spit you out if it wasn't for real so to our listeners this is for real this is the real stuff that can make a a significant difference in the way you conduct your life go ahead david i'm sorry but i think those points are just so important to make go ahead yeah well you know that was where i said well i better write the manual you know and have the confidence to do that and in case I got run over by a bus, I figured, well, at some point, somebody <laughs> might figure this out. But meanwhile, let me get it out there. Yeah. And let's see. And quite frankly, Paul, I was not sure whether I could virtualize this, whether I could actually put this in a book. Yeah. So it was actually relatively recently that we even thought we could scale this at all as an education. Because I knew if I, if I could you know, hold, hold you hostage for, five, for two days, I could, I could get you into this. Sure. Yeah. But it, but it kind of would require me, given my experience and, and how I could coach you and so forth, that, that you could get this. And in the seminars I was delivering, I could usually, if I held people for a day or two days in a seminar, that would be hold them hostage enough that they, they actually could jive, jump, jump into this and have a real experience of how powerful this was. I wasn't sure I could put that in a book. A lot of other people, smart people, thought mm, that, gee, David, don't know. So to me, that was a big milestone in 2001 when this first landed on Barnes & Noble on the shelf. A woman emailed me that weekend. She said, gee, David, I read your book. I implemented it. It changed my life. I went, oh, my God. <laughs> we did it. We, I was somehow able to then put this in some sort of a virtual manual form that at least one person, and if one person gets it, at least some other people could, that it, at least it was possible that somebody could actually just read this in some sort of virtual, easy-to-read format. And if they actually followed directions, it would actually create the same experience. So that was a big milestone. And then that sort of planted the seed for us to say, well, should I keep this just a boutique speaking you know, business for myself around the best-selling book, or should we try to scale this? And the world was not, by that time, the, the book started to be, you know, as it, as it you know, in, in the next two or three years and translated into 30 languages, and, you know, 2 million copies sold. So the world was incredible. banging on our door. Incredible. Oh my God, can we do this? I, can I be a GTD coach? Can I, whatever. So we said, God. okay. And I had no idea how to scale it, you know. So I had a small company, you know, about half the size of yours right now. By that time, just to try to 
you know, fulfill the demand of, of people of the training and coachings we were being asked to do around this methodology. And I said, okay, guys, but I can only do it if you all want to play in the game. And we said, look, strategically, we just need partners in technology because I'm not the best player for the play to run a big business or I'm not particularly yeah, aspirational right. or entrepreneurial. I'm, I was more an educator than anything yeah. else. You know, here's what this is. So somebody else is going to have to try to figure out how do we scale this? How do we expand it? How do we try to meet the demand that seems to be coming from around the world for this methodology? And that hasn't stopped. So that's been a long road to hoe, you know, because I figured it took me 25 years to figure out what I'd figured out and probably the rest of my life to figure out how to distribute it and how to make it stick for people. And that's not my area of expertise. Right. So finding other people to help do that and figure that out and make that work as a business model has been a lot of the last 10 years. Fantastic. That is great background. It really gives a lot more credibility. It already had great credibility to, to really what it is we're engaging when we engage getting things done. So uh, the getting... And, 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 oh, but I have, to, I have to stop you, though, because you yeah. asked me, what is it? Yeah. Have, we haven't given any content. Okay. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> In terms of what it is. So uh, let me give you the 20-second version. Okay. Basically, it, to get that kind of clear space, uh, and stay on top of this world that's complex and, and highly changing and fast. You need to have captured any potentially meaningful thing that you can't finish the moment you think of it in some trusted bucket. And then you need to sooner or later decide what it means to you. I mean, is this something to act on or not? And if it is, what's the next action I would need to take? If that one action won't finish it, what's the outcome I'm committed to complete? And so, there's a capture function, there's a clarify function that you need to do about what, it, what you've caught that has your attention. And then there's an organized function. Once you've decided, okay, here's something I need to do, but I can't do right now, where and how are you going to be reminded about that? So building a trusted system of reminders of the actions you need to take and the projects you need to complete. That was step three, organize. Step four is to make sure you use the system. So you look at it, you're going out for errands. You, what are all the, where do I need to go? And you know, maybe you're about to talk to your assistant. What are six things I've thought of since I talked to him or her last that, I, that move things forward? Okay, which one should I talk to him or her about first? So then there's, an, there's a reflection process. Once you've captured, clarified, and organized, there's an engage with your external brain, essentially, your calendar, as well as all the things you might need to do in and around that. And then there's step five, which is how do I engage my attention and my resources and my activities based upon the gestalt of the look of all that, GTD. Wow, that's fantastic. I love it. So number one is we wanna get everything out of our mind. We want our, our mind to be completely free. Mm -hmm. So I, when you, as you were saying that, I thought to myself real quick, it's like, uh, going, pulling up to your garage and having a, a trunk full of stuff in your trunk. So you take everything out of the trunk, you put it in the garage, then you say, oh, well, I'm just going to keep piling up in the garage. No. And this is what we do. We put, make lists and we just pile all these lists up, but we have no system to process that. So instead of just putting it in your garage, you ask yourself, am I ever going to do anything with that? What am I going to do with it? And what's the, what's the steps I'm going to take? Instead of, we all have these garages full of crap that we never utilize and 30 years later, we're giving it away to the goodwill or our kids are getting rid of it as we die and, and you know, selling it for pennies on the dollar, if you will. So it's- well, most, most, most people's organizational system is incomplete piles of unclear stuff. That's they keep rearranging. Exactly, it's our garage. It's most people's garages and most people's closets, hall closets. It's just a nightmare. And most people's heads. 
Right. And so we don't want our heads to be like that. We want them to be mind like water, completely clear. So the things that are coming at us, if I'm understanding this correctly, we can fully engage them, maximize the opportunity and what's happening at that moment. And we're not distracted by anything else. Correct? Yeah. And, and the real key, I mean, it's the old military thing of situational awareness. You need to be able to be, deal with surprise. But then you don't expect to show up that are going to demand potentially you to do something about them, handle them, deal with them, or whatever. You need to be able to evaluate those against everything else you could or should be doing to know whether to park that because there's other more important things to be doing or to deal with that because it is the most important thing of everything you need to do. But you can't do that if you haven't got a clear inventory of what all your commitments are at all those different levels. So the whole thing, when I'm not doing anything else, you know, Paul, I'm cleaning up in, I'm, I'm getting my backlog to zero as close right. as I can because there's stuff coming to me. I can't, I, I can't expect, I don't. And when it occurs, the bigger my backlog of unclarified, unorganized stuff, the more any new input's gonna feel like a bitch. Mm. So even if it's good stuff, because you don't know, you, you got this, yeah, but they got stuff over here I might would, could you do, and uh, uh. What so, you just said is the biggest thing that happened to me. When I started doing Getting Things Done four months ago, the biggest single thing that happened to me was the anxiety is gone. I'm not, ah, everything's under control. I know exactly what I'm doing, when I'm going to do it, where I'm going to do it. I have a trusted system that allows me to be totally calm, two, three, four times more productive than I was before I started doing this. And I'm already considered like a super high productive person. So to make a, that, that huge transition was, was magnificent for me. It was like, how could this be? And the answer is 30 years of wisdom. 30 years of a laboratory working out the system. So it's no coincidence that my productivity would have gone up that high, even though I'm already a productivity freak. It's because there's 30 years behind this system and working it out. Yeah, it could have fooled me. I mean, come on, this stuff is simple. There's no new behavior. There's no new, you yeah. know, it's not a skill. You know how to write things down. You know how to decide a next Absolutely. action. You I do it. Right. You know how to look at a list and decide, I'm going to do that, I'm not going to do those. Mm -hmm. yeah. So the, the, the weird paradox is it's not a new skill. And they're actually all behaviors everybody is already doing to some degree. And if you're listening or watching this, you've got a calendar, you're already doing it. You already right. said your head can't do it. You have to have some external trigger right. to let you know where to be. You need to step back and look at your calendar to locate yourself in some time. It's just your calendar is about 5% of your life max. And most people just aren't doing that with the other 95%. I just figured that out. Yeah. And the other thing, too, about getting things done that is really magical is this, is that in the lean world, we develop standards by which we perform tasks. So we have consistency, quality, and no defects. This is what we're trying to achieve. We don't want defects and we want a quality. We want that good day, as you described. We want that consistent good day all the time. So we create standards. Getting things done has created a clear standard by which you process everything 
the same way every time. You never allow anything to be in your head. You immediately get it into a list. You immediately ask yourself, what am I going to do with that information? Where is it going to go? What is the next actionable item? You don't do that occasionally. You do it consistently, and that produces that best day experience. Yeah. Am I correct? Well, I mean, yeah, and back to your earlier point, one of my, you know, one of my basic you know, core sayings is you can only feel good about what you're not doing when you know what you're not doing. Mm. So, you know, managing and maintaining the inventory of possible options given all of your previous commitments is absolutely critical right. for that mind like water state you know, to, to be able to engage with your world in that, you know, with that kind of freedom. Mm. And, and it doesn't mean life is easy. Come on, if life were easy, you'd never expand, you'd never right. express, you'd never grow. So it doesn't get rid of your challenges. It just puts you in the driver's seat as opposed to playing victim and complaining and, and, and allowing yourself to be run over by the overwhelm. And it pretty much puts you in the driver's seat. I love that quote too. Almost 100% of the time, you, you are in control instead of a firefighter, as you would say. You're, 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 what did you say? It was the vaccination. You had a great quote in your book. The vaccination for becoming a firefighter. Is that correct? Was that, was that your quote? Something like that? I, I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. I don't remember. Yeah. Getting things done. Here, I'll say it for you. If you didn't say it, I'll say it. Getting things done is the vaccination for every human being to step beyond being a firefighter. You're not running around in emergencies. You're managing your life in a thoughtful process. So if you want that vaccination, go read this book. Watch the three videos that I produced about David's system because it changed my life. And you will be vaccinated for life. And it, 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 it's not a, I, you know, I, I empathize and understand and experience myself things you would call emergencies or interruptions. But mm -hmm. in truth, neither of those exist. Right. Why? Tell it's me just, why. It's just, it's just what's next. What's next may be the fire alarm just went off. Now what's next, right? Uh, so and then is how there anything we you need to handle them? before you leave? So it's yeah. it's about what's next, right? And there are no interruptions. They just mismanage inputs. It's you know, it's genius. It's there are you know, no fire you, drills. It's just what's next. What are you going to do next? So the fire drills going off. I need to get the fire extinguisher. I need to rally the troops together to put it sure. out. I need someone taking the flank. I need someone sure. on the roof. I need this. I need that. And all of a sudden, everything becomes manageable, and you get things done in a thoughtful process. Did I get that correct, well, what you were just saying? Indeed. And in another way to say that is it's not that you're always in control. As a matter of fact, you're not losing control because right. you may not be playing a big enough game. Right. So I'll bet, Paul, you're losing control regularly. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm going to run an Ironman. Yeah, right. You just threw yourself out of control. Right? Right. So what'd you do? I didn't have to do what I needed to do to get back to clarity about how I'm engaged with this commitment I just made. Exactly. So back to your third, back to your third point. Mm -hmm. why, why are the productive people most attracted to this? This is the best. Go ahead. I love this one. Yeah. It's because the most productive people are the most aspirational. They've thrown themselves out of their own comfort zone and do that regularly. It's just usually their systems haven't caught up with their creativity and their aspirations. So uh -huh. a lot so of this is bringing up, the rear, bringing up the rear guard for highly creative, highly productive people so that they can move themselves to the next level. Because your biggest issue would have been, as it is for the people that asked me to coach them, is not about being productive in, in anybody else's sense. It's about, I got no more room. I need space. I need to think more strategically. I need to be more creative. I need to be more innovative. I need to be more present with my kids when I go home on the weekend. I need to be more whatever, 
which doesn't require time, it requires room. And that room to be able to, if you're taking one meeting into the next emotionally, or you're taking home to work or work to home in your mind, you're not in a mind like water state. So the whole idea is like, if you want lean for the brain, as somebody described GTP, no waste. Don't have a thought twice. As a matter of fact, if you think, I don't know if you have a pet. Yeah, oh yeah, dog. I love Yoshi, a little Yorkie. Right. Yeah, and if I need dog food, pops in your head twice, you're inappropriately engaged with your dog. Absolutely. I need dog food immediately you, on the you, list, in the car, and on my to-do list for in the car, I'm going to stop by Pet Mart or Costco. Done. I never have to think right. about it again. Exactly. That is the process for getting things done. I need dog food immediately on the list. Then where is it going to go on the list? In the car, Aaron. Organize after I stop at uh, Walgreens. I'm going to go to Costco and I pick up the dog food. And I put it in that order. It's all taken care of. I walk into Costco. I walk out. I've got everything I need at Costco because I have a list for Costco organized on my in-car list. So I get it when I go out and I'm not like, oh, I forgot to go to Costco. I looked at my in-car list. It's perfect. Exactly what getting things done is and why it's so great. David, I got to interrupt you though again because you said something so powerful. You said most people, their systems have not caught up with their creativity or their aspirations. That's what you said? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And so as I heard that, I thought, wow, you know, I'm a creative person. I like to think of what's next, what's next. But I go, oh, can I do that? I've got too much on my plate. What getting things done allows is because you have such a powerful system for processing everything that you're thinking and coming into your mind, it uncaps and gives you full potential because most people, like myself, when I think, oh, I want to do that, I go, I don't have the time to do that, or I don't have the systems in place. So that keeps me down from moving up, but getting things done because it's such a great organizational system, it uncaps that and allows me to reach my full potential because my systems can move with my aspirations. Well, Paul, you probably do your best woodworking. Sorry, there's a helicopter going over. No problem. Yeah. So, Paul, you probably do your best woodworking when you have the freedom to make a mess. Say it again. Whatever. Go ahead. You probably do your best woodworking when you have the freedom to make a mess. Okay, keep going. But you can't make a mess if you're in one. Uh... That's why the French chefs, which you would say one of the most creative professions in the world, mise en place, before I love that bell rings, everything is in place. Every tool, every ingredient everything because when the bell rings it's going to get friggin nuts and I you bet. have to have the freedom to make it free friggin nuts but you can't do that if the yeah. of mess already i love right. to cook and i read that book is that book incredible did you read the book mise en place no i didn't no. oh my gosh you have to read it because basically what i espouse is lean there is no better example of lean than a French chef because you have to be so organized because everything is time critical. The food can go bad, health safety is involved, the quality is involved, and you have everybody coming at you at a condensed period of time. So it requires this incredible focus and systems in order to do it. It's a fabulous book and it's exactly what we're talking about here. Oh, and and fa fascinating, funny, I haven't read the book. I was, you know, I've been around the, the, the restaurant business back when I was a waiter and helped yeah. guys start a restaurant or whatever. And the biggest costs are um, linen and waste. Mm. 
isn't it? Annoying. So the waste is crazy know. in the food industry. <laughs> crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, so oh. yeah. No, cool. So I totally so, get. Yeah. So we, we cover yeah, those so, so, things. Go ahead. Yeah. So so everybody who wants to be creative should just be cleaning up, because creativity will have you know. You 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 get your car washed and clean the clean your trunk. You you will drive better. It's going to be more fun. You're going to be more creative in terms of taking that curve or whatever. You know. So and, and it's just this. Done is cleaning out the trunk in your head. Exactly. Oh, David, how incredible. I, I mean, you covered the points I want to cover. And what I like to do is I don't want to overwhelm people because I don't want to give them too much more. I think we've given them something so powerful that now they need to read your book and begin the implementation process and share with other people how your success has transpired into a more productive life, a more mind-like water life, so that other people can enjoy the benefits of your 30 years of hard work to give us this wisdom. Hey, and thanks, Paul, for being such an advocate and uh, you know, being another mouthpiece. I mean, my mission is that we have a world where there are no problems, only projects. Uh, well, I'll tell you what, David, I share it with everyone, and I tell them this is one of the great epiphanies of my life. I, I say that learning lean was one of the great epiphanies of my life because it changed my life. I'm very successful as a result of the implementation of lean, and getting things done is an integral part of lean thinking and it transformed the way I work every moment not every day every moment of my life and I thank you for that and I hope more people learn about it. I know that I will be that mouthpiece for you because it is fantastic I'm honored that we had the time together we've had a couple hours together to talk now and it's just been fantastic I feel like Indeed. I have a new friend, and when I come to Amsterdam, I'd love to look you up. Would you come out to Seattle, come out here, and I'll show you all my, my woodworking, and we'll uh, enjoy a mind-like water moment. Thanks, Paul. Take care. Thank you, David. And thanks to everybody for listening. Yeah. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you. <laughs>